It's time to do the truffle shuffle. We watched Pig, which means it's time for another Portland at the Movies. In a world, in a time, in a land of eternal beauty, all that stands between a city and a disaster, in a city where anything can happen, if you thought you had seen it all. Who has my pig? That was good. I was so proud when I thought of that one when I watched the movie last when we went. Hello, my name is Todd Workoven, and this is another episode of Portland at the Movies. I am joined, as always, with by Mark. Boy, <laughs> so excited for Pig, I guess. This first time this with first Mark time we- Middleton. <laughs> Hi, Todd. How are you, Mark? I'm, I'm really well. Good, well. good. And of course, with uh, with us always is Brian, the Unipiper Kid. How are you, Brian? Good. Good, good. Yes, I apparently uh, lost my capacity to speak here. Uh, uh, being so proud of myself for my truffle shuffle joke. So we did something unprecedented for uh, the Portland at the Movies podcast, which is uh, see something in person and see something that is current. Uh, on, on opening On opening night. day. On, oh, that, on opening night. Yes. So we went down to the Laurelhurst Theater and saw uh, Pig, which is the new Nicolas Cage movie that is filmed in and around Portland. So... Um, other than other than parking, I enjoyed my Laurelhurst experience. Experience. I got to explore a lot of the neighborhoods of the surrounding area. Did you see my car when you were parking? Yes, I did, and I was like, "Ah, you got you got a, a spot right next to the building, which is nice." I had to park like fifteen blocks away, which, but in a way, it was good because the streets were filled with people, and the theater had uh, uh, was was sold out, and so it was nice to see. Portland nightlife uh, getting back to normal. Um, so, who wants to take uh, take the lead of this conversation? Well, we should maybe also do something that we've also yes. never done before, and maybe have a uh, section before spoilers, and then later we'll get into spoilers because this is a very yes. new movie, and most people have probably not seen it yet. Yes, and, and it's, it's something that people might actually care about. Seeing. Well, and before we forget, right off the bat, Brian, would you go? Would you recommend going to see this movie? Uh, I, absolutely, I would. Okay, what about yeah. you, Mark? Um, <clears throat> I would, especially if you like anything that Nick Cage has ever done. Uh, is 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 kind of the bar. If you hate Nick Cage, you're gonna hate this movie. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, if you also if you like Portland, it is it showcases Portland beautifully. I think. Yes, it really do, it really does. And I would I would recommend seeing too. I'd recommend yep. getting there a half hour early to find parking. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so I, I guess that's great. So we'll start with some non-spoiler, spoilery, spoilery yeah, stuff. Maybe we just keep talking about what we thought of the movie. It was it was beautiful. <clears throat> I, I I didn't bring up the IMDb page uh, about the the director's name, but a first time first time writer director. Yeah, and it was, and I kind of noticed this. I didn't notice notice anything walking into this movie except for I had watched the trailer, and the trailer is is isn't very specific, and it's kind of more of a tone poem of what you're going to get. So I was, I was, um, looking forward to what I was going to get because the trailer is beautiful and the whole movie is, is just shot just so beautifully. And as Mark said, there's stuff downtown that looks great. 
Uh, there's locations that you recognize. And, and I, it almost feels like, and it, I don't think the writer director is anywhere from around here. I couldn't, I, I wanted to make that connection because there are definitely references in the script that like only a Portlander would know that. Yeah. And especially in a lot of these movies that we see, there's kind of that rank of, are they pretending Portland is someone else mm-hmm. right. or somewhere else is Portland, the generic Northwest <laughs> city. Right. Is it Portland, you know, and all of those things. And then even if it's named as Portland, do they know what they're talking about? Or are they just, you know, at Pioneer Square? Yeah. Nick Cage uh, pronounced Willamette correctly. Yes, he did. And, and, and so clearly that is an, in Portland. That is an excellent point. And not only did he say Willamette, he didn't say Willamette River. He didn't make it like if you didn't if you don't live in Portland, not only would you probably not even understand that word because it doesn't make sense and yeah. it's pronounced oddly, you wouldn't know it was the river and you wouldn't know the things to put that in the movie for another reason. So yeah, there was a lot of great great touches like that yeah um at one point i i did feel like the movie see i, I think you had one up on both uh mark and myself because mark correct me we didn't neither one of us watched the trailer right we i watched about five or ten seconds of the trailer and realized like okay i want to see this okay and that's when i send the message to you too yeah to I, say, okay hey. all i heard was there's a movie starring nick cage where he plays a man looking for his missing pig and that was all i needed okay wow so then what because so i was at least prepared for uh you know they don't go too much in the trailer but it sets it up as <clears throat> nicholas cage has a pig the pig gets stolen and that's it. It doesn't tell you right, anything right, further than that, but right. it at least sets the tone for that. So walking into this, did you know, did you think it was going to be, let's talk a little bit about Nicolas Cage first. Yeah. Because Nicolas Cage sometimes makes me angry in that he can act, but then sometimes just won't or doesn't care or like does. That's and true. I know he has money issues because he spends too much, like all of this stuff. And so he obviously, and especially in the last 15 or 20 years, has just done a torrent of everything straight to DVD or straight yeah. to streaming, just garbage. Well, stuff. some of them have actually been really good too. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. But yeah. And that's what There's, bothers well, me. The two that come to mind are uh, Mandy and Color Out of Space. Okay. I and didn't see Mandy, but I heard a lot of people talking about that. They're both uh, horror films. Okay. Uh, and they're both really good, really intense. And funny enough, it's the same editor from both of those films that edited uh, Pig. Oh, interesting. really? Yeah. Huh. Is it the same production company that did those other ones? I wonder. I don't think so. Um, but I tried to keep my mind open uh, as to what to expect with this movie. But I, I was hoping it would be kind of off the walls, bonkers, insane. Like Nick, I heard someone on the internet talk. Apparently, there's been some marketing materials that are trying to sell this movie as John Wick uh, with Nicolas Cage looking for his pig is like a revenge flick. Right. And so I, part of me was hoping that's what we were going to get where Nicolas Cage plays this like hermit who just goes around punching people asking, where's my pig? Right, right. <laughs> but that's clearly not what this is. And, um, I, and I think part of that marketing material, I think, because I, 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 I watched a couple of YouTube video reviews about that. And I could tell that they all must have, um, and they posted those reviews like a week ago or so, like before the movie was out. So like advanced screenings, I'm guessing. I think they must have all gotten the same press materials because they all started off with, a lot of people think that this is going to be John Wick with a pig, yeah. but it's really not. Right. And like, if you did watch the trailer, you would probably get that idea because that's what they, you know, man with pig, pig goes missing. He goes into Portland to find pig. And so you are, ex- you are expecting that 
Nicolas Cage of the Wicker Man to at, at some point show up. <laughs> yeah, I did watch the trailer after the movie, and it, it is a bunch of the shots of like every single time in the movie somebody kicks or punches something, it's in the trailer. Yeah. <laughs> I imagine this is a hard movie to market because it is not that it is not an action movie. It is not. The what, what is another movie that you would compare it to tonally? Oh. I was trying to think of something to compare it to. When I saw the trailer, um, someone I and then I told someone, I'm like, oh, I'm going to go see Pig tonight. And they're like, what's it about? And I'm like, I'm not really sure, but it gives me the Vavitch vibes. Okay. You remember the Vavitch? Yeah, the when Vavitch. That came out? <laughs> yeah. And it, it wasn't really anything like that, but I, I kind of got that. And, and what was correct about that assumption was the slow, deliberate pacing, the, yeah. sh- the very composed shots, you know, yes. just beautiful uh set, setting the t- overall tone and that's what this movie did i think really well is because it is i didn't think it was slow i thought it was really well paced but there's not there is no other than i think when they abduct the pig which is in the trailer so not a spoiler there's no ac- action in this is there there's one scene is there a gun in this movie i was uh, trying to remember i don't think there's a gun okay no but yeah, oh yeah, there is the yeah. We'll get into <laughs> okay. that soon. Uh, but yeah, but it's not at all the revenge thriller no. that, and which is probably really hard for them to market because, like, how do you right? Yeah, the people that you want spending money on this are are probably not the people who are at the end of the day going to enjoy it. Right, right, exactly. So yeah, we do. Nicholas Cage is phenomenal in this movie. Yeah, and like, and the bar of that for me was like, I kept not being distracted that it was Nicolas Cage. Like a lot of times, like even in Tom Cruise movies, you're like, Oh, how funny that that's Tom Cruise. You know, he's a movie star. Isn't that, isn't that fun? But like, I I would have also been fine with a a wicker man, Nicolas Cage in this movie, but he definitely elevates it to a different unexpected. level. Yeah. And, and it's interesting that you say that he elevates it because I agree with that, but he elevates it by, I wouldn't even say underplaying it because he's not like, I don't feel like he was restraining something. He is just very low key and very deliberate yeah. and very like, yeah, deliberate's the right word. It's, it's very appropriately paced for someone who is in his situation doing what he needs to do. He kind and, of sells it as if he yeah. has lived through the experiences of this character. Right. Yeah. yeah. He yeah. inhabits that character, yeah. I think really well. And in a way, like he was believable. Like if this did end up like all of a sudden three quarters of the movie, they're like doing Kung Fu, you know, and throwing <laughs> skewers of meat at each other at a restaurant or whatever. It would have like, that doesn't fit like, and he wasn't playing that way. Obviously like it was a very real grounded like even though it's this character that has lived in the woods for a long time and he's doing this weird thing of finding his pig like he felt like a real person that could exist in in the world we live in even if he was you know a bit odd yeah which is kind of nice i found that it was a movie that um really stuck with me like i I was thinking about it a lot afterwards yeah and i i was too and i think i told you when we when we left the theater it's and it's movies like this that always make me feel like I, I know there's something else going on here. I don't know if I'm getting it or so, which is in a good way, not like I, I feel like it wasn't worth because I was like, well, would I see this movie again? And I said, oh yeah, I, I would see this again to try to parse it out more, which is a good sign. <laughs> yeah. 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 I would watch this movie again. 
Yeah. So, um, what else? The, uh, there's another actor in this movie that plays a chef, and we'll kind of get into the scene later. But um, there were two performers that really, besides Nicolas Cage, that really struck me. And one of them was kind of the methed out when he first goes to find his pig. He finds the people that actually stole him, which were kind of like those methed out rednecks in the in the trailer or whatever. Mm. And they to- were credited as Tweaker and Tweakette. Oh, really? <laughs> this really is a Portland movie. <laughs> but whoever the tweakette was, was just amazing. Because it's so easy to to make those characters a caricature of yep. like what you think. that. But that lady like could have walked out of that trailer park and like, but not, not in a way like, Oh, it's a bad act. They found this lady and she's a bad actress. She, she was just really, really good. I remember her striking me. And then there's this other, uh, head chef in a restaurant that, that, uh, Nicholas Cage ends up and with this extended piece of dialogue. That's really amazing. And the, the actor there doesn't have a lot to say back, but, is one of the like give that guy who looked like a young Steven Tobolowski but not bald. He was amazing, whoever that guy was. Yeah. So I don't know. I I should have done the work to see if those were local Over, actors. Or not, most but. of yeah, most of the secondary characters. Um, I know the the tweakers were local <laughs> Portland actors. Yeah. We need to have the tweakettes on the show. <laughs> totally, that'd be great. <laughs> we need to throw a parade. Mark, I'm a little bit disappointed that we didn't start with a phone call from Nick Cage. <laughs> Next time, <laughs> Nick Cage uh, is on Skype. Was that on uh, at Finley's? Is that uh, was that the fancy restaurant and then Finley? Was that the name? I of it? forget. Yeah. In the movie, it was Eurydice, but I don't think that's a real Portland oh. restaurant. Um, talking about the blonde guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they have that the smoked scallop. Yeah, and he kind of talks. Yeah. He was the guy that used to work for Nicolas Cage for two yeah. months. And yeah, then yeah, yeah. yeah, that guy. They called that restaurant Eurydice. Okay. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> what other look at the, so there was some shots, there was a, a great montage of Portland sites, uh, kind of a quarter of the way yeah. through maybe because it starts off in the woods. Yeah. We definitely got lot, lots of driving across the Broadway bridge. Yeah. Uh, uh, moment we all we all did it in why well, i was gonna say internal woo but it was more of an external woo angelina jolie <laughs> yeah exactly really exact, like the foxfire scene foxfire scene and then um hubers makes a great uh uh cameo uh as as part of the scene there's a chase it's, through the restaurant chase it through hubers oh they were looking for something nick cage kind of runs through <laughs> I, th- I thought well at Nicolas Cage's energy level in this movie anything like above a slow walk felt like running <laughs> so maybe that's what there was another restaurant too that I thought at first was across from Saturday Market because I thought it was Arches but it was an optical illusion and those were um, oh, what do you call them like over the doorways yeah. the sun awnings awning. thank you <laughs> my brain is running slow I'm, like I'm nick cage you. i'm surprised i came up with awnings. my brain has been living in a forest for 15 years with the pig there was something else in this movie that i hadn't seen um in in a portland film yet and that was a legit food cart pod they did have yes. a food cart which one pod. was that i saw no po uh, yeah po boys. it's on yeah. uh, north lombard okay yeah, that was neat to see. That was a very Portlandy kind of thing to to include in the movie too. Yep. Um the park blocks were in this, I believe. 
or am I no? So I'm gonna get some of them confused because I just watched <laughs> some some terrible what movie the, from what 19... the bleep do we know? Right? <laughs> no, I watched uh, what I thought was gonna be our next movie, uh, and then we we put this one instead. Uh-huh. Uh, the Temp uh-huh. with um, a whole bunch of other people that had the park blocks in it, but I guess this one did not. So never mind. Um, what else was there, Portland? Uh... It's hard because I I didn't take notes for this. I know movie. we I only, only saw, saw it, it once. Yeah, yeah. so saw it once. Uh, there there was the driving montage where you literally saw all of the famous sign. You know the the Schnitz sign go by, and uh, it's it, all the it, usual suspects. Yeah. With now the addition of the dumbbell. Right. Yeah, the dumbbell building was there. What's the dumbbell? The building? one that the one that you said you leaned over to me like. So now we have to acknowledge that that building exists. <laughs> the appropriate so, response. I didn't yeah. know that was called the dumbbell. I mean, I'm sure you guys have told me. It's because there's like times, there's two buildings with a little bridge between them. That's that that's dumbbell. dumbbell. Oh no! See, <laughs> they gotcha. Yeah, it's that for those if you're like me that didn't know what that building is. That one right at the base of the Burnside Bridge that has all the different colored swirled nonsense on it and yeah i leaned over to mark and i was like oh now we have to acknowledge that that building has existed and it's going to exist on film forever we can't pretend in, it never 20, happened 20 30 years from now be like where was that <laughs> what are you talking about <laughs> we just gaslight everybody <laughs> you know what cgi <laughs> bad cgi you know what building i do like that's off the topic it's that one that they built uh, right across from the old gray box, box building yeah. that glass one that's yeah. right on the freeway oh, that building is really it cool looks looking. really empty right now they, they <laughs> built it for google and really uh, yeah and uh there's no habitants in there right now so i think google has uh backed out and gone mostly virtual like most most companies have doesn't that just sum up the current day portland of like yeah. a corporate empty corporate corporate owned building that displaced people who are now living in the exactly <laughs> um in the credits of the movie they thanked uh le pigeon um yep. but i don't think i saw it maybe they just provided some of the food in the movie mm. yeah they might have um do we the the one that had the awnings in the background. Do we know where that was? Because those awnings look like Grendel's across the street, maybe. Oh, uh, maybe. across the street from Le, Le, oh. Le Pichon. I was wondering if it was the same restaurant that Mary Tyler Moore owned. But it did, owned didn't look payback. exactly like that. So, I know what you're talking yeah. about. It, yeah, it shouldn't be too it, hard to find on the map if I'm just looking for awnings. It seemed awfully brightly lit, though. But yeah, I guess that could have just been Hollywood, Hollywood trickery. It almost seemed like the old mothers, uh, like that yeah, space. Is, yeah, it yeah. felt like that space. It yeah, did. I felt like it was a block or two from a Max somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> from Max tracks. <laughs> um, but yeah, other than we'll kind of get into, I guess, some spoilers. So if you do want to see the movie, which I guess we're all recommending, um, go see that, and then you can uh, come back and finish a, the rest. Put of a this. pause here and come uh, come back and listen to the rest after you've seen it. Yeah. Yes. Um, so it's, it's kind of. Uh, there's not really a whole lot of spoilers to this movie because it's obviously more of a character-driven piece than any sort of action or, or narrative. But the the base of the story is so Nicolas Cage lives in the has lived in the forest for at least 15 years. He used to be a very famous chef in Portland. Uh, we don't really know the ver- the specifics of what happened to drive him out into the woods, but he's been living with a, a truffle hound pig, and he sells truffles, which are a type of mushroom, correct? Yes. yes. And, and um, fungus. Yes. To he sells those to some guy who then sells them to the restaurants around town. 
And at some point, um, the, somebody breaks in and steals the pig. And Nicolas Cage then goes back into Portland to try to track down who stole his pig. And that's the base of the story, really. Yeah. <laughs> Good job. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for listening. So next Spoiler week. Spoiler alert. We'll... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's everything in the trailer. Um, the let, Let's talk about the abduction scene. Yes. Uh, so that was really, really impressive cinematically. Uh, they burst in you had quite the scare i will say that oh it was it was terrifying uh they you almost threw your dots all over me i was terrified (laughs) and we knew something was going on outside the pig was rattled and then there was a burst into this shack that was was violent and powerful and sound driven and uh and crippling to the main character, Robin or well, Rob. Robin, the, yeah. The door like flew off the hinges and yeah, they, like, hits Nicolas Cage in the <clears> face. <throat> they they bombed the front door. Like they they exploded the door into him. And then he started to get up and they did it again to him. And uh and we had spent the last ten minutes seeing and Just learning like in quiet solitude. And, yeah, yeah. With yeah. In this this man who lives in the woods with a truffle pig who you know is four hundred pounds and she's a big girl uh, and uh, and they have a friendly a relationship bond, a yeah. bond and and uh, everything and you hear this pig you know uh, clawing at the door trying to get out because there's something outside and then the bomb goes off basically and then they steal the pig with all the squeals he is knocked out until the next morning and he had his whole life beaten out of him. Uh, and so he comes to in the morning and, uh, when they were dragging that pig away, that was oh, very traumatic it was to hear. There's very violent. nothing more horrifying than a pig squealing like that, like in distress is so terrible. Yeah. It was not uh, a trained pig. It was, they could not, they, they didn't have the budget for like an actual trained pig. So it was just a pig. Just a pig that they're dragging. <laughs> I did notice that in the credits. I forget who played the pig, but they they had pig, you know, played by uh-huh. Rosebud or whatever the name was. And then they had um, not like just another pig. It was an understudy pig. They had listed <laughs> it as. So That's cool. I didn't know quite what that meant. Like the other pig was always ready to jump in whenever the other one didn't show up with the lines memorized. Just a heavy set pug that <laughs> waiting was for in the, the neighborhood. <laughs> waiting for the, his big break, <laughs> looking to see if there's any agents in the audience. That pig went on a bender the previous night and didn't show up. Push the other pig down the stairs, <laughs> showgirl style to take over. Uh, yeah, so that that was that was a great scene though, but because it would had just been all of that quietness and solitude, and then it just does break in with that door blasting open like that. Yeah. And so let's talk about the one scene I didn't understand at all um, that we alluded to earlier, the one that takes place under Pioneer Square. Um, so Nicholas Cage comes to town. They first go to the food carts on a tip because Nicholas Cage knows someone in the industry who might know something. So he checks in at the food carts to this, I don't know, a manager or something at the food carts. And he tells, uh, no, he gives Nicholas Cage uh, a piece of paper. Um, and that piece of paper leads them through Huber's 
Um, the famous chase scene. Yeah. <laughs> the famous chase scene. Uh, <laughs> the, <laughs> the famous sauntering scene. <laughs> You'll be on Audiences will not be seated during the <laughs> leisurely walk through the chef's quarters. <laughs> and then he ends up, I think, in sort of like the basement of Huber's. Yes. And he is... Uh, knocking over um shelves trying to get to the wall and uh his buddy uh amir who is the guy who sells his truffles is like what are you doing and he's like we are going to the hotel oregon um which is cool because that is a hotel that did exist um over top of pioneer square and that story was true yeah Yeah, that story is true total true story they dropped that story and i was like i wonder if that's true that's 100 percent. i talked about it on the mark and todd cast one time we've done a whole episode of the park and todd cast on it i don't listen to that show (laughs) stupid We have not done a whole episode, but we have mentioned it okay. multiple times. But at that, and then Nicholas Cage is like, Amir says, "Well, I, I know every hotel in town, and there's no hotel called the Hotel Oregon." And Nick Cage is like, "Not anymore, but it's still there, all underground." And at that moment, I was like, "This is cool. This is going to be like a sequel to uh, National Treasure, exactly. taking place in Portland." I was sitting in between you guys, and like literally <laughs> we both said the at the same, same time, you both made like, "He's going to go get the Constitution or whatever." <laughs> <laughs> a national treasure uh-huh. style movie that takes place like in portland in would portland. be so cool ah, um, underground tunnels but but the, he um goes through this uh wooden door behind the shelves into the remnants of this hotel which i don't even know if, if there's anything yep. under there still but he walks into like a legit fight club like a literal yes. And there's people writing names and chalk on the wall and, and they're fighting and betting and it's very secret underground and it's like what just is this like a nod to you know the chuck palinick connection maybe yeah maybe. because it never comes back and it doesn't seem to fit any of the themes of the rest of the movie Well, right before so right before he goes to fight club he he goes to the food carts and he sits down with I'm not sure who that uh, got the the older man with the with the gray beard. The guy who gave him the piece of paper, right? Yeah. So, and he was I don't know some restaurant owner or some like big wig in the truffle in the truffle ing circle circle. Yeah. And then he goes down to Fight Club. He writes his own name on the chalkboard. He goes and gets himself punched fifty times without fighting back for some right. reason. Right. No, okay. So there's there's the the game is if you make it and they they showed a preview uh of his game with another person playing the game and so the game is uh how long can i last being uh having my ass kicked to, punched to, in the face punched in the face to make this money okay right and so people were laying down bets and doing all the other things so so there it's basically cockfighting with people uh and and so the one thing that the leader of that fight club had was a lead on who stole your pig. Uh, but they did not. It, to me, that wasn't clear. Was the leader of fight club the same guy as in like the him. tent? It looked like him, yes. <sighs> that gave so, him a slip of paper. And so yeah, he had to be. prove himself. He had to win in order to get that lead. And so remember, like at the end the uh, of the first game the guy got a bunch of money mm-hmm. and left right nick got uh a slip of paper with the lead's name on it 
and then he left. And so he won by having his ass kicked for five minutes or whatever, just his face beaten in. That just seems so <clears throat> random to it me. It really did, they, especially since it didn't come back. What they all. what they were showing was he is willing to give a hundred percent of everything about him to recover this pig. And so yeah. that, that was the whole meaning of the scene. Okay. And so he life and limb, cash, connections, it just didn't physically feel- I I am I will bleed for this pig, and there's not another way of Showing bleeding that. for the pig. It was it, the one scene in the movie though that didn't necessarily feel completely grounded in reality. That is that's true, that's true because yeah, just the whole idea of an underground chef fight club <laughs> underneath Pioneer Square. We, we can talk a little bit later about the meal that causes a man to break down and cry about reality. <laughs> We'll go there, but you think this well, is the one that's not grounded in reality? The All other, right. <laughs> I think the other reason why it's it's stuck out to me is because for the rest of the movie, Nicolas Cage kind of gets what he wants through the respect that he's already built. Like all yeah, he has to do, and, and for the first like half of this movie, he doesn't introduce himself by his name. He doesn't want to. And, and Nicholas Cage, if you haven't seen the trailer in this movie, looks like, uh, like a, a mountain man. The like Grizzly Adams. Adams. Yeah. With long hair. I wanted to beard. bring up love and dynamite about this. Wouldn't Grizzly Adams have been awesome in this movie? <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's who I was thinking about in everything. I'm like, really? Grizzly Adams would have been perfect for this role. <laughs> okay go on so he is yeah he is like full-on long hair long beard you know mountain man clothes he's lived up there for 15 years he goes to fight club gets punched in the face 50 times and And so he is bleeding and like swollen and and not one time for the rest of the movie do they take a napkin to him yeah (laughs) he doesn't wash his hands or face he doesn't until he gets back to his house there's a little creek or whatever outside and that's when he bends down and finally washes himself and i was like this is meaningful in a way that i don't quite understand but i'm here for you movie he served a gourmet meal to people smelling like rancid Uh, yeah and like all the fanciest so yeah from his backstory we don't get the full picture but we know he is you know clearly a Robin Feld. A yeah, a superstar chef on the Portland scene. Um his wife appears to have died because they, at one point the Amir visits a mausoleum. Which mausoleum was that? Do we know? Yeah, no, was that's it the big one. Oaks Bottom. Oh, oh yeah, 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 the Wilhelm. Yeah, okay. I could I didn't know if it was that one for sure. But yeah, she goes or his wife is in there and there's a spot the the mortuary keeper or whatever is like, tell him we saved the spot for him or whatever. She says she was always in the shadow too. We never saw her face. Same with the bakery owner. That's the scene I wanted to come back to because who and why that, that, I, that one was not based in reality to me. Oh, um, should we go there right now? It's, well, well do you want to say anything else about the mausoleum? No, okay. no, I was just trying to say his backstory is yeah. So all we really know is that, for some reason, he left Portland to live in the woods, and at some point, his wife 15 died. years ago, his wife died. Yeah, and, and so think of like the biggest superstar chef that you've ever known, and this guy 
eclipses them. Yes. Uh, you know, so he is he is Robin Feld, and his name carries weight, and it it means something to all these like restaurateurs. Like fear and, and, and respect. Totally, and like, everybody like shifts their attitude once they recognize him or hear his name or are told that he's in the space. Like he carries this fear uh around with him and yeah uh, yeah uh and so he goes and visits somebody that we don't know who it is it's and not what it, his daughter and it was a, which i thought for a minute would, would be it was a daughter. place it was hard to recognize what it was too like to me it looked like there's uh at the at one end of my church there's like the room with all the craft supplies or whatever and it just has like some tables in the middle and yeah cupboards around the end and I'm like and it was a shot from like far away in the corner of the <laughs> ceiling and I'm like who is so he goes to see a lady there and it's so a I bakery th- I think the whole point of that was he needed to because he and Amir had split up and they were both uh doing separate parts of the same mission he, they were sourcing all of the ingredients to cr- recreate the meal that Amir's parents had uh, at Robin's restaurant many years ago. And it was the one time in their life that they were happy when they ate at his restaurant. So he needed to source those very specific ingredients. And, and it was the salty baguette. And so, but the bakery itself used to be a different restaurant, used to be Robin Feld's restaurant. Oh. And, and, he sold it to her or or there was some exchange because she said, you know, I, I kept it like you had it for four years, thinking that you'd probably come back and, and reclaim it any right, day. Right. And then, you know, it wasn't me. And I had to change it to what I do. Oh, okay. And she said, you know, and, and so I changed it to, you know, it's a bakery. Uh because okay. he, he pressed her on that a couple of times, like, really a bakery? You're a baker. Well, yeah, you're a chef. I'm a baker. Right. <laughs> and she like literally laid it out like bakers that. bake things. <laughs> right. Uh, and so that he, does fit uh, thematically though, because like there is there is the an overarching theme of people kind of giving up on their dream or or compromising their vision a, yeah. a, in some way. So the. F- which she didn't. It turns she, out this lady did not because she she didn't want to be that thing. So right. she did her passion, which was baking. And that the, and they portrayed her now as successful. Yeah, totally. Um, so the guy that uh, I swear the name was Finley, uh, the the Finley's restaurant, uh, the blonde actor. I think that was the name of the chef, not the restaurant. Oh, okay, could be. <laughs> Guys, so guys, don't, should I leave? Should I leave for a little bit? Come on. <laughs> Bring it. Uh, so Finley was was a previous student of uh, you know, or, or employee of Robin Feld. And he said, you know, you, you probably don't recognize me, but I I actually studied under you and, and worked for you. For, he goes like, yeah, for two months. I fired you because you always undercooked the the pasta. Yeah, Chef like, Finway. Oh, Finway. 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 Close. Uh, and Finway then like, oh, you you do remember. Oh, ha, ha. And yeah, so at, at, at this point, Nicolas Cage has gone into this super duper fancy restaurant, of course, and the waiters are acting. And one of the truly, I think, my favorite moments of the movie. So I, I forget what happened in the scene right before this but it was like dark and maybe fight club was right before this well uh it was 
the kid, the Amir, was trying to get restaurant reservations at Finway's restaurant. Oh, that right with the meat guy. Yeah, the meat guy is like, no, 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 you've got you've got mad ins. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so we're, we're, and then all of a sudden it cuts to like the, this, a beautiful white screen and this like this super pleasant like voiceover announcing lady talking about, you know, since the beginning of time, man has come together to force nature and like, and just doing this thing that like at first you're like, what's what? happening? And then it turns out that the, the white that we're seeing is like the dome of a plate and that comes off and there's there's like some two scallops two scallops with foam orange and so then it's we realize it's the waitress talking about giving this whole like philosophical backstory for like a scallop with some foam on it and just like and i loved that so much because it was just all this pretension and then you 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 pull out and there's beast of nicholas cage in his pelts and his long hair sitting at the covered table covered in blood yeah, his, I, with in his beard and face, like he didn't dab it away and just not all the way clean. He's like not touched himself after Fight Club, and then he just like reaches out and like pushes the scallop <laughs> pushes with the his scallop. finger. He, gra- he grabs one and and chows it down, and then presses pushes on the other one. <laughs> and then so yeah, and then he so he asked Nicholas Cage asked to see the chef, and the waitress is like, oh, and Amir is like, well, tell him who you are, and like that's when blonde guy comes out and Finway. Yeah, Finway and Finway says like I don't know that you remember me and Robin yeah. is like, "Yep, you did that." And like clearly had a memory of him and undercooking the pasta. He remembers every meal he's ever cooked and even the undercooked meals that other people cook. <laughs> like, really? Because so this, yeah, that and this is when we get the which I think my favorite besides that little segue into the into the pretentious food, what I think is the most powerful little scene in the movie where so the blonde the blonde guy sits down to at the table with Nicolas Cage and they're talking about, you know, used to working together and so Nicolas Cage goes, you know, didn't you want to used to open a a pub and this this pretentious now pretentious chef is like well you know there's no money or this or i wanted to and like trying to excuse his way out of why he didn't do that successful yeah people love it people like this yeah and like this case well do you like it or and totally like not and gives this guy i wish i could pull up the dialogue from somewhere it's a shame that it's not on on on, uh, video yet gives this guy a dressing down of this guy's whole life that ends this guy ends up just in tears and Nicolas Cage like isn't raising his voice isn't trying to like you're doing it just lays out his life of like you didn't follow your passion you gave up you sold yourself up you are unhappy and watching the the chef guy go through who had like this great like I said Stephen Tobolowsky kind of cheery goofy happy face to go from that slowly to being internally shattered by what this man was saying was so amazing to see like that actor. Yeah, Nicholas Cage just broke him. Yeah, broke him. and just calmly and not deliberately to break him, but just laying out, you and, have... 
and you kind of called it when you said like uh it wasn't so much he what he said but like his facial expression and his stuttering is just how he sold yep, it he didn't have much to say but just watching that turn from and it wasn't overly dramatic it wasn't like yep. he wasn't sobbing by the end but it was like you it was like remember that old simpsons episode where <laughs> ralph liked lisa or whatever and lisa finally just says i don't i never like you or whatever and it was on video and they kept saying, oh, if you pause it at the right moment, you can see exactly when Martin's heart was broken or whatever. Yeah. Like, that's what it was with this guy. Like, yeah. you are following his his internal journey of just being destroyed. And so that be, kind of became a theme of him, con- of, of um, Nicholas Cage confronting people about not living their truth, kind of like, and like in a very artistic way, which was interesting that they included the fight club because like the rest of the time he's confronting people for not living their passion. And it's not like a movie about masculine, like it doesn't rescue wrestle with any of those issues. So yeah. That was, I, I mean, I guess like Mark said, it's just showing that he's willing to do anything like yeah. physically, emotionally, just, you know, willing to give himself a hundred percent. Yeah. The other thing I thought was weird too. So Nicholas Cage is going around asking, you know, have you seen my pig who stole my pig? Like nobody seemed really surprised that the pig was stolen. Like it wasn't no. like this, except for that one, the, that one other truffle seller, uh, that old lady. She she was pissed. She's the that other was, that actress was good. of the year. That was a really All good of these moment. actors were so great. Yeah, yeah. The late so it was the lady in the woods at the like truffle stand who she was Just like a or- kindly old country lady. Yeah, and and uh, Amir is like trying to explain what happened, and then Nicholas Cage just walks up and he's like. They stole my pig. And then she just looks at him and is like, What kind of pig? Motherfuckers. Yeah. <laughs> what kind of pig? Oh, it was a truffle pig. Holy shit. Yeah, and she like goes, just goes and and she goes and confronts them. Like, uh, and that's when we meet Tweaker and Tweaker. Tweaker and Tweaker. Yeah. Man, this this whole cast, like bravo to all of these, all of these actors. No, it's well played, yeah. I do wish there had been at least one scene of Nicolas Cage just like walking the random streets in Portland and just like asking random people on the street where his where's my pig yeah but you don't it's all stolen shots so like the 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 passerbys don't know that it's It's a movie movie. (laughs) that would have been great Borat, but yeah, this this the the truffle industry in this is is almost equated as like a mob level type. No, yeah, it's it's Portland expose about truffles. <laughs> uh, he does. Nicholas Cage does. Something else that I, was, I keep remember trying to remember what to say, and I keep distracting myself. He does end up saying that um, the pig was not the thing that was finding because Nicolas Cage I guess is known for finding the best truffles and stuff like that and yeah. he finally admits you know it's not the pig that's doing it I just know how to do it you know I know what to look for you have to look for the tree or whatever so yeah. I just liked the pig yeah, yeah. yeah. So that was a good uh, little I you know like the pig. kind of a twist but uh, there is a moment where he clarifies that he does not have sex with the pig oh yes yeah. there is a mo- <laughs> that moment too <laughs> Because he's he's getting shouted at and and somebody um, like calls him you're a pig fucker yeah and he's like and went down the list of all the things and then at the end Nick's like I, I don't have sex with pigs. <laughs> oh, one thing that I liked is how they portrayed Amir's character as being uh, so so you know he's the son of a famous. Uh, 
or, or, or very well-established uh, restaurant, uh, like uh, food magnet, yeah, or whatever food magnate provider. Um, and and so he's clearly trying to follow in his father's footsteps. His father has clearly written him off as like he he's not cut out for this line of work. So he's trying to do this to to you know prove to his father. Um, but the, the choice and, and he wants to portray this air of like uh, that he is himself well established and and so he has like a the, an expensive car. But all of the things that he is doing just don't quite fit so he has this gaudy yellow car that you know doesn't fit into anything else but he in his mind thinks that's the the symbol symbol of success right and then my favorite part was every single time in the car he listens to classical music but it's like the the idiot's guide to classical music and it's like this british man teaching you about classical music and why you wondering what that was okay i missed what that was but that makes sense now because he's trying to be (laughs) trying to learn yeah what does it take to be successful right okay that's funny and so he is the son of the restaurant magnate or whatever the whatever rich guy who was ultimately responsible for stealing the pig right so did amir know the whole time or, I don't think so. He I don't think said so. he did. But, but I think Amir eventually made the connection that, oh, crap, it's because I mentioned to him that I have this guy who has a pig. And that's why he ended up getting okay, it Okay, so I, the question that I remember what I kept trying to figure out. So going kind of back to the, the first 15 minutes of the movie where we're seeing Nicolas Cage and his pig. And then Nicolas Cage goes to sleep and the pig wakes him up. You know, there's a, something outside. And then the pig, the door gets blown in. Why don't they just take the pig quietly? Like, does this pig always live inside? Is that what the problem is? Like, just take take the pig. Like, why? It just seemed unnecessarily violent and, like, personal, I guess. Like, it seemed yeah. very strange to me. It's like, just wait until the pig, like, goes to pee or something like it's that. It's a movie, or, Todd. <laughs> But like, and that's why I was like, well, what is this truffle world? Like, why is it so like, I get it. If there's a lot of money, there's underhanded things, but that's why I was like, this is like full on mafia hitman level of pig stealing. So my theory is that, uh, Nick Cage didn't want to look good for the movie. Like the, he, uh, didn't want to like buff up or, clean up or or portray like excellence it was all about um how disheveled and 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 disgusting he looked like and so you needed that that moment at the very beginning to rough him up and then you needed the fight club to to really rough him up and from that moment on he doesn't look like Nick Cage. Like you wouldn't. That's really recognize true. him on the on the street because yeah, he Cage. does pass out in a in a pool of his own blood, like face down in a pool of his blood yeah. at the very beginning. So there's also that. Yeah. So we never see Nick Cage like you know Nick Cage. Right. So why do you think? So it turns out, of course, that um, he keeps searching for his pig. Uh, the pig. It turns out that as they were stealing it, whoever was stealing it were too rough, and the pig did not make it. The pig died, um, and that's kind. Of, and then Nicholas Cage goes back to his his house in the woods and listen. He has a tape that has his wife's voice on it. I don't know if it was like an answering machine tape or something like that, or just a. I think it was uh, something she a little, made. Little demo tape. Okay. She was singing. 
Oh, okay, okay. Because written on the tape was for Robin. Okay. And then, so yeah, the movie kind of ends there. What I, I was trying to figure out the tie between, so we have the themes of Robin asking or talking about like the art, the artistic nature and and the giving up of yourself and and compromising your vision, those aspects um, of the movie. But then also we don't really know. And I, it doesn't bother me that we don't know why Nicolas Cage went to the forest, whether it was just because his wife died and how that aspect of it tied into like compromising your artistic vision, like how well, those two melded together and why. I kind of uh, took it as a, as a, a separate theme the movie was addressing and it's kind of like the theme of uh, loss and acceptance. And grief. Um, because you have yeah. Nicolas Cage who has already experienced a, a, a dramatic loss you know his wife right and you know he clearly does not want to lose his pig but when he does he gets through it and accepts it a lot better than any of the other characters in the movie who are dealing with similar losses um the other example being um uh, amir's mother right. who amir tells uh nick cage that she had committed suicide but then later we find out that she was actually uh, in a coma and that she probably, you know, uh, uh, tried to kill herself. It didn't work. And they she's just been a vegetable ever since because he mentions that he wishes his father would just let her go in peace. Um, and so clearly the father is having issues with loss and moving on because he's trying to hold on to his wife, even though it's like time has passed right um so it, it, it's showing how different losses affecting pe- different people in a different way right and so i thought that was an interesting because yeah loss and grief and all that stuff but then to have the dressing or the the giving up on your artistic vision thing is a thing i can't quite fit into that envelope and yeah, I, don't I don't think i should but i don't necessarily know if they're connected or, yeah. or it was weird when um so the the rich magnate who did steal the pig, uh, the first encounter that, uh, or or the the first primary encounter that Nick Cage had with him, he offers him twenty five thousand dollars. Says you are going to go away now. You will never bring up the pig again. You won't deal with me again. And if you do. I will chop the pig up into and make bacon out of him. Yeah. Uh, and so there's going to be $25,000 at your little shack in the woods. Go home. Never come back. Right. He already knew that the pig was dead. Like he, right. he could have just led with that and, <laughs> and not taken it further. You know what I mean? Like, sorry for your loss. We fucked up right. and the pig's dead. So, right. You know, uh, at what point? Uh, at what point does so it, we're, we're watching Robin uh, Nicholas Cage gather all the ingredients for for the meal that Amir's mother is like the only joy she's ever had in her life. So he's getting all those ingredients, and then how does it happen that they're all eating? They break into kind of the rich guy's house. Is that kind of how it works? Well, it's Amir's dad's house, right? Right, and so he does uh, bring him in. They make the meal, and then Amir goes up to Dad's office and is like, "Dad, we we made dinner for you." And he's like, "You can leave." And no, Dad, we we made d- dinner for you, and he comes down for dinner 
made by Nick Cage, who's this big enemy in in the strife of the thing. And they go about and eat the meal, and and nobody questions. There's no talking. Nick Cage is still covered in blood and smells like poop, and serves them this amazing meal. And this and the whole meal was the purpose was to bring magnate guy back into the emotional state. Uh, or remind him of the emotional state that he was in many years ago when he was with his wife, loving their best meal that they've ever eaten at Robin Feld's restaurant, right? right? And so in the middle of the meal, he breaks down in tears and has to leave the room. And I mean, like, they would have never got to that moment. <laughs> like, it, who the fuck why are you in my house get out you know like four course meal with them (laughs) right i did think it was weird i did think it was clever how that was nicholas cage's plan it's like if i can bring him to an emotional state you know where he remembers these feelings he can understand what i am feeling and maybe have sympathy and that will lead him to be like oh fine have your pig right Interesting. And I I couldn't figure out if it was Amir's idea. Oh, no. Okay. No, it was Nick Cage's idea. And he tells Amir right before they go there, he goes, I'm going to ruin his life or mess up his life or show him how much his life is messed up or something like he says i'm going to oh, do this to your dad. I, like, yeah, I oh. thought he I thought he said something like we're going to try this a different way. <laughs> yeah, I thought he said <laughs> so I, don't I love everyone so much. <laughs> Definitely Finley's restaurant. I thought he said, we're going to go steal the Constitution. <laughs> <laughs> so and I couldn't, and I, I really must have blanked out on that because like all of a sudden it's like I came to and we were like mid dinner and then they're eating like the duck wings or whatever. And then they pour him that glass of wine and Nicolas Cage said, you know, your son picked out the wine and then the dad just like started crying and walked away. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what just happened? <laughs> and then like later I figured out like, oh, it was the same meal as he had for his wife. And they were happy that one time. Was the wine in the mortuary? Yes. What? Why? Unclear. But <laughs> it seems like that was his wine collection that was being stored in, in the, mortuary. the mortuary. Yeah. Because that's there why they went to the mortuary. One hundred. Oh, I thought they went. I thought Amir went just to see the wife's. No, he went specifically to get the wine. Oh, that's there is a hundred percent a market for wine that has been <laughs> left aged in a, next to aged dead bodies in, the, in a mortuary. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So yeah, then then the movie just I wouldn't say abruptly ends, but it doesn't come to like a big conclusion of any kind he just kind of wanders back to his life in the forest and puts the tape on of his wife and then stares at the moon and the then the credits roll small (laughs) and then we pull out our glasses todd pulls out his bifocals (laughs) (laughs) those credits were so small and they were done like they didn't even extend through the whole screen it was like it was was four by by three three credits with super and i didn't think to just take out my smallest font take out my phone and just record them because there was and they weren't scrolling credits they weren't scrolling there wasn't a big song or music with them there was like a sound going on it's just like wind a drone maybe you know it's like (laughs) somebody doing one of those bowls where they just make it ring singing bowl yeah (laughs) 
uh yeah and, it, and it, but and there was a ton of things and like there was weird thing i remember in the credits somebody's like accounting office was and i on the way it just seemed like some very strange and very specific credits and i wondered oh i wonder if that's one way they sold to get production money is saying we will put you in credit we will put this in the credits for you which is sometimes a a lower budget thing but but yeah that's that's kind of the overall for pig very subdued and like we said deliberate and i thought well paced for how quote-unquote slow i don't think it was necessarily slow because i was expecting that but it's not definitely not the national treasure uh movie that this is not an action movie no but this this easily though falls into my personal top tier of portland films yeah and i i didn't look did you happen to see what the budget was i didn't see what the budget was i did did just happen to see the weekend uh box office was nine hundred and forty five thousand. okay I wonder how big. It, I wonder how widespread it uh, is. Did, what what did Fast and Furious make? I was I didn't look back to see. I mean, not that I'm comparing, Gajillion. but I'm trying. I'm trying to see what that what today's top level box office would be, and I would just figure that would be um, F nine or whatever they're calling it. Anyway, I, I hate the new IMDb uh, layout. If oh, you haven't been yeah, lately, it's, I have frustrating but yeah i mean i can't imagine this was a hugely expensive movie is what i'm saying so if like for a low budget first time writer director just very very so it'll be interesting to see because like i it did it even though it's not very similar at all um the same vibes as as the witch and what's the what's the movie that that the witch guy just put out this year yeah it doesn't list the budget anywhere interesting and the production company is not like it's not like it's um paramount or anything some little little company called neon or whatever neon who put out parasite oh interesting uh the lighthouse is the one that, oh uh, oh that yeah of course which made i love that so yeah i mean in that the witch was was the that guy's first movie too so i'll be interested to see and, and how how it ended up here in portland is kind of anyone's guess. So unless that guy has some kind of connection. Then. Well, oh, so uh, I did read that they initially, this movie was going to be set in France or Spain, and then they settled, settled on Portland. <laughs> well, I guess there is a wine. Well, this movie was, wasn't about wine, I guess. So it's either France, for your culinary. <laughs> I just think it would have been a completely different film. Oh, not for set sure. in Portland. For sure. Oh, yeah. But yeah, they really embraced Portland, and then someone knew how to how to someone knew how to write for Portland. Yeah, which is exciting. So good, good. Anyone at the Oregon Film Office, if you were involved in, in helping direct that, I, I would imagine they have someone on their staff, maybe like a not a ghost writer, but like a punch up guy that does just like local references. That would be an interesting so that job. Everything doesn't end up at like Voodoo Donuts. Yeah, that's the only thing people know about us. That'd be a really fun job. I should offer my services to that. I always wanted to yeah. be a punch up writer. All right. Well, thank you for listening to Portland at the movies. It was fun to be able to do a contemporary movie and to go see something in the theater after not seeing uh, not seeing movies for so long. So go out and support your theater. This is a great one to go see because it was it was interesting. The audience was fun to be with, but it, they were quiet and respectful. It's not like everyone was crazy. And- there, there was the moment when. Um- about Seattle. Uh, there was oh, the yeah, Seattle yeah, yeah. rivalry and I don't remember what the context was, but the, the comment was made. Well, like, oh, fuck Seattle. Yeah. Fuck Seattle. And, yeah. fuck Seattle. and uh, the crowd uh, applauded. <laughs> was like, <"Ooh." laughs> that was hilarious. Uh, so yeah, anyway, check it out. Um, and, and let us know what you think. 
Uh, we will be back next month, and our movie is 1993's The Temp, or 1995, 1993. Uh, the Temp. The Temp. Uh, with Laura Flynn Boyle is in it. Post, post Twin Peaks. Nice. Um, and I'm. it's that other... That one Brat Packer that didn't become famous. I'm, I'm totally not forgetting his name, but he is also in that, uh, which hmm. is pretty, pretty fun. It's like a kind of a knockoff of, of basic instinct and that kind of genre of mm. movies. So, um, well, that is unless Nick Cage comes out with another Portland <laughs> movie right. in the next month. <laughs> Uh, yes. So you can find where, where can we find the Unipiper, Brian? What um, is he doing these days? Not a whole lot, but um, we are looking very much forward to the uh, Portlandia Mermaid Parade coming up at the very end of this month on the thirty first. We'll be at the Portland Waterfront uh, celebrating mermaids. Fantastic. Uh, Tim- yeah. Timothy Hutton is the guy that's in the Temp, mm. uh, who was in Turk eighty two, which is a big movie that I <clears throat> never saw, but I always mm. saw it on the video shelves growing up, and it looked a little too. St- little too not scary but like a little too heavy adult or grown up not like sexually but just like i that seems like a movie only grown-ups would understand so i never (laughs) ended up renting turk 182 for whatever reason but uh mark what about you what are you up to these days well uh, todd you and i have a podcast on the mark and Toddcast, and you can check us out at markandtodcast.com yes we talk about portland and things uh sciencey yes you can do that um I don't know what to play us out with on this one. Maybe I'll just play the play the trailer or something like that. But um, thank you for everyone listening. Thank you to our patrons for helping helping us buy tickets to go see this movie in a real theater. That was very nice. Um, and yeah, check us out, portlandatthemovies.com. We will talk to you guys later. for a truffle pig. Someone stole her. I don't understand. Tell me you are. You made the right choice being out there in the woods. There's nothing here for you anymore. There's really nothing here for most of us. Buy yourself a new pig. What are you thinking?